Ah, Stevie M. Thank you for coming. Hello, the pleasure is yours. Did you uh, read the memo we sent you? Uh, briefly. This is a meeting to talk about a new companion, isn't it? Yes, it certainly is. But as that uh, as that is business, let's park that thought in a holding pattern for a moment and introduce ourselves. I go by the name of Jasper, and I'm one of the three new executive producers for Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, and I'm Damien and uh, Ditto. And my name is Aoife, and I'm... The third of the three new executive producers for Doctor Who. Wow, you are every bit as sharp as the tools people compare uh, sharpness to. I I never saw that twist coming. What are your surnames? You never said. Ah, but that's because there are no surnames here, Stevie. This is one of the new corporate think spaces. Surnames are just traffic cones on the motorway to creative television. Right. Can we get on with this? Of course. We were wondering if we could, you know, take the scenic route with the Doctor's next companion. Do you mean do something different? In a sense, we thought we could plot a course away from the uh, current status quo, you know? I thought that's what we were doing. There's a new Doctor. We're more just checking that you're conversive vis-a-vis our new viewer-centred gender vectors. What are you talking about? Jasper? Thank you, Damien. Stevie, we have been involved in a uh, series of dynamic network user-centric mindshare symposiums. You mean you had a meeting? Well, not just any meeting. We synergised thoughts on how we can monotonally innovate focused broadcasting scenarios for the future. We want you to take a moment to proactively envision what doors a new companion could fling open for the show. I thought I'd write someone who wasn't a Londoner this time, if that's what you mean. The thing is, we need to search our motherboards for a more decisive change than that. What, other than a companion not being a cockney sparrow? They they won't. No, I'll be writing someone more like Sally in my multi-award winning episode, Blink. (laughs) Wasn't that um, Sally Sparrow? Well, I'll choose a better name. Nothing a birdie. I thought I'd call them... Before you vocally actualise that thought stream, Stevie... Can we explain why we called you here? Please do. We were hoping that our contribution to this best-of-breed televisual species would be adding a healthy dose of the Y chromosome. And what does that mean? We'd like him to be male. One with a regular sort of name. Like Jasper or Damien. No, um, like Steve or Joe or something. We think we exceeded our quota of -of out-of-the-box names with characters like River Song. And Jackie Tyler. Right. Mm. Well, thanks for the advice. Have we secured the beachhead with this? With what? I write Doctor Who, not saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I don't think the mists are clearing on this, Jazz. Let's try a more direct approach. Will the next companion for the Doctor be a man with a normal name? I'll give you a clue. She'll be called Amelia Pond. Is that affirmative or negatory? I think that's a negatory. If it's another woman, how will she be different to all the others? She'll be a mouthy. Mm, Like the others. Strong-willed. Like the others. Have long hair. Like the others. And be Scottish. (laughs) That's fresh. It's different. It synergises with a certain percentage of our thought bubbles. Can I go now? Bye-bye. 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 B
Welcome, brave travellers, to the Oodcast, Season 5, Episode 8. Well, the TV series is behind us for a while. We're not going to get another one until Christmas time. And so we... It's both behind us and in front of us, like sort of Schrodinger's cat of episodes. Yes, it's like Schrodinger's cat if we're also in the box and the cat has sort of curled around us to give us warmth. It's Mm. both in front of us and behind us. And we are in a state of quantum uncertainty. Maybe I was wrong about the cat analogy. Yeah, I think maybe you were. <laughs> anyway. I'm allergic me, to cats. Well, this one might might not exist, so you might be all right. Um, well, let, let me just introduce who is with us today. Uh, to my left, just to give you a bit of spatial awareness, is the flap man himself, yes. Andy the candy man can do candish. That's me. Hello. Flap I don't man. think you should call him the flap man. <laughs> okay, then I will move straight on to the uh, recently freelance writing phenomenon himself, <laughs> Mr. Chris Alpha. Hello. 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 Nice to be back. How is it being a freelance writer? Uh, very stressful. Uh, yeah. You know, late, late. Late wake-ups and... Early bedtimes. Got to keep that mind active. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, lots... Not, not, no TV, obviously. I, I don't turn that on at all. Mm. Um, I just sit there surrounded by empty pieces of paper, panicking. Have you written anything? Yeah, what, I have actually. What have you written? <laughs> I've, I've written um, an entire final draft, as far as I'm concerned, of um, a picture book for children mm. and a nativity play for the local church. My gosh. You... In two weeks. Oh, a, a dynamo. Machine. Yeah, yeah a dynamo. dynamo. Yeah. And you've written a sketch for tonight. That's true. Yeah. I have not been resting on anyone's laurels. He is living the life. He wakes up, he eats a coffee cake, he takes a walk, takes a nap. And that voice that you can just hear is the flame haired terror, the wide eyed <laughs> Pokemon herself. The it's... scourge of Surrey. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mrs. Laura Mead. Stroke Sigma. Can I be called Boudica for this episode? I feel a bit like Boudica. So as you can tell from our brilliant introduction this week, we do not have much of a plan, except that we're going to look back on the Ponds time in Doctor Who. We feel this is a good time to take a breath, have a bit of chat, look back on Amy and Rory's tenure in the show um, and ruminate. We're going to ruminate, aren't we? Yep. And like a cow. And we, we are every bit as focused as we have sounded. In that we're so regurgitating far. our old material, chewing it round a bit and swallowing it again. That's right. So um, enjoy when that. You, when you say it so romantically, <laughs> how do. can anyone resist? Big Brothers of Time! Amy Pond versus Ruby Pond! Begin! Down! Boy, you're a puppy dog cliche. Had a crush on me from the start. I just thought that you were gay. I'm a red hot Scottish fox. We all see where this is heading. Well, you're so bland. I've heard of Uncle Dude the night before our wedding. You're a gawky loser. So prepared to be dismissed. And when I win this battle, we'll forget that you exist. I'll 
raise my left hand up Tap you in the mouth Plastic pansy from the south I can travel across time and the universe If you're a geek with a beat So goodbye now This ain't Ledworth doll So be less irritating When it comes to charisma You're the girl who's still waiting You're aware the diamond nurse But prepare for the kicker No one's fooled by kissagram We all know you're a stripper I've got my face on the side of a billboard You're scrawny and you're lame And you're so besotted with me That you took my second name I say Britain in my nighty. You run away crying You're an interstellar third wheel And your only skill is dying I am the last centurion I've seen more blood and gore Than the doctor with his rubbish report Fool I'll hug you and then after we've kissed I'll make a big bang with a gun That I grow from my wrist Got the funniest lines That make people laugh You stagger around like a drunken giraffe I've shut down this contest like I slammed that TARDIS door And when you crumble to dust, you can smell my petrichor Who won? Who's next? You decide! going to chair this I guess I will start off with this what comes to mind when you think of Rory and Amy? I think the best moments are the moments in the script which really echo the reality of what it is to be in a long term relationship Um, because there were plenty of times when that didn't happen where it didn't seem as if they'd actually discuss things in the way that a married couple should but what I actually enjoyed was the fact that their relationship wasn't perfect and they were still negotiating where they were within it Um, And I think that was really handy because it made it so real. Um, The idea that they could still be at a point where they were needing to be closest and most together. They could still be quibbling about this and that and noticing all the little domestic things and supporting each other and then backing away when it was needed. I enjoyed that aspect. I thought it was quite bravely realised. I think the way they related to each other was one of the strongest things about the characters. And I guess they were written as a couple and, and that was problematic early on. But I think they also grew into a very believable couple. And, and the bit in The Girl Who Waited where he has to decide whether to open the door or not. Yeah, that was uh, one of the bits I was going to mention. Oh, okay. Well, let's agree on that. That was a, an amazing bit. I think, yes, they're, they're definitely most effective when they're together, which is nice for a couple, isn't it? That mm-hmm. they're incomplete without the other one, even a fictional couple. My favourite moment of the ponds is... In the 11th hour where little Amelia Pond comes out and she, um, the doctor says, I've got a time machine. And she goes, oh, what? A real one? And the romance of their companionship starts right there. Uh, and the fact she gets left behind and she waits all that time and finally gets together with him is, I think, a beautifully realised narrative. Um, I I like the fact that both of them seem to have quite a good deal of respect for the other one, even though there were moments of sort of banter and insult. Mm. Ultimately, they both really trusted each other. So Rory is fully prepared to have himself knocked out, have a heart attack because he knows that Amy will restart his heart. And Amy trusts him implicitly to come and rescue her when she's left mm. behind at the, um, what's it called? Floppadopolopolis? Yeah, no, I think, I think it was Floppadopolopolis, wasn't the, it? The yeah, one with yeah, the, the, the waterfall and the anchor, that one. Oh, the... Oh, the girl who waited. 
So we've talked a little bit about them together as a couple. Is there any bits uh, particularly either for or against of them individually? I mean, I would start with I really love the bit. And I know it's button pushing and a little bit manipulative, <laughs> but it's Ace, the bit at the beginning of A Good Man Goes to War, where he, where yeah, he yeah. walks into the cyber control room and just sort of stands with all of the exploding fleet behind him. And says, do you want me to repeat the question? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, like that. I like the fact that by the time we get to series seven, they've grown so much that actually in at least one adventure, they take the lead in sorting out half the problem. They have companions uh, of their own at that yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you go back to the Vampires of Venice, the first time that Rory um, travels with the Doctor and Amy, and he has absolutely no idea what's going on. He's running for everything, basically, and kind of comic relief. But by the time he's still comic relief in Dinosaurs in a Spaceship, when he and his dad get to fly the ship, it's kind of that comic relief that has you punching the air at the same time. Yeah. Well, at least it did to me. He's a little bit proto-Mickey, isn't he? Yeah, but I I, I quite like that because it sort of says, right, this is what you've had before and then moves it on. I was really glad that they did move on because when it started, he was like a slightly more sanitary version of Wurzel Gummidge, just totally... (laughs) turnip-like, gangling (laughs) Wally. He had an air about him as if he'd been hit over the head repeatedly and then just woken up. Gormless, Gormless. I think, is Mm -hmm. a word, isn't it? That is exactly the word. He had no gorms whatsoever. Devoid of gorm. (laughs) Ungormed. Um, And spent quite a lot of the first few episodes, The Hungry Earth, and in fact, even the 11th hour, just staggering around with his mouth open, wondering what the heck was going on. And so consequently, when, when he did die over and over again initially, it didn't really have that same impact. Because um, we're talking about the ponds, right? I want to talk about Arthur Darville because he played one of them. He did. Mm. Which one? <clears throat> um, That's a spot spot test. Th- this is blowing my mind right now. Help. Uh, it was Rory. Yes. And oh. uh, Awesome. Well now, done. you see, the man's a genius, quite frankly. He is a splendid, splendid actor, and I'm a little bit disappointed I've never seen him do anything else. But I have to say that Shakespeare's Globe is going to do a broadcast of his Faustus production, in which he plays the main part. Dr. Faustus. So, yes. So do look out for that, because it will come to a cinema near you if you're very fortunate. Can I agree with you, Andy? Yes. I think Arthur Darville is phenomenal. He is a hugely gifted comic actor. I think out of the main cast, he's probably the best. Well, this is mm. what I was going to say. His, all his little moments, which don't really need to be there. You know, there's a little bit in uh, Curse of the Black Spot right at the start where the Doctor, Rory and Amy come up out of the ship's hold and the Doctor goes, ho, 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 and Amy's grinning at the pirates and Rory just just a tiny little worried wave. Uh, and there's just like so many moments like that which are comic relief, as Sigma says, comic timing. But then there's also this incredibly three-dimensional sense of I don't know what's happening, but I'm so devoted to my wife, I'm going to go with it. Beautifully the, done. The one, the one thing I would say, I, I completely agree with you. He is a master of the thespian art in which he's engaged. Yeah. Ha. Um, nice. But I, I wonder whether the comic timing would be quite as effective without the kind of the team, without Matt Smith and oh yeah, uh, oh Karen yeah. We Kamp. won't Absolutely. take away from the rest of them. No, they're no. also amazing. No, and I also don't want to take anything away from Arthur Darville. Well, the uh, elephant in the room then is that we haven't mentioned Karen Gillan's acting skills. Who? 
Karen Gillan. She plays oh, she Amy Pond. Oh, she oh, Amy the Karen. other of the Ponds that we're talking about tonight. She's this one! That one. I have to say that she wasn't served well by some of the earlier scripts. But when she gets a script that she can sink her teeth into, she is also a very accomplished actress. Mm. Mm. I mean, obviously I'm going to bring up The Girl Who Waited, where yeah. she is just brilliant. Well, it was a bit of a bravura performance for her, wasn't it, really? It is bravura. It is bravura, which is... <laughs> bravurist. <laughs> it is the bravurist. <laughs> it was more bravura than a bravura bravoring... Bravura borealis. Yeah. No? I don't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You can tell that we haven't got much to talk about. We're in danger of being a bit bravoring. At <laughs> uh, the other end of the scale, in something like The Lodger, where she's only got these scenes in the console room, mm. where she sort of she she just seems to be a bit flippant. Mm. She, well, there's she ha- no yeah. sense of urgency. She's and trying to be like Matt Smith's Doctor, but that character shouldn't be like that. You know, mm. oh, it'll be fine. I'll just flip this switch. Doesn't work for Amy. You need that kind of sense of reality to, I think, to balance out. The fact that it's all a bit slapstick back down on Earth. It's interesting you say that she wasn't particularly well served in her first series. I think I agree because she is a very different character at the start. She's this flirty kissogram character who I feel is not quite right for a Doctor Who companion. But no, then no, she no, becomes she becomes something very different towards get, the end. And I wonder if that's deliberate. Of course, yes, uh, it completely is. The reason being that she's like that is because she has this giant hole in her psyche Mm. that is caused as a result of having parents who've, growing up without parents, Mm. who've fallen through the crack ages ago and never come back. They do come back. Well, you know, not at that point. And also having this huge betrayal of a man who said he would come for her and be there and take her on adventures and never did. With his real time machine, Mm. yeah. And wouldn't you be slightly more desperate with your affections and yeah. out there if um, you'd had those scars? I think that's exactly why she she gets so angry in The Beast Below because it's her first trip with the Doctor and as far as she's concerned, he's really disappointing her. I think the greatest triumph of these past few series is the, is the arc of Amy's character. Mm. We talk about story and narrative <clears throat> arc, but her her character arc is incredible and I, I think it is completely authored from start to finish this move from a very silly vacuous surface girl to this really amazing woman who you can see stands shoulder to shoulder with the doctor is a phenomenal performance actually and okay she doesn't quite have all those funny comedic moments but that overall performance over the course of two or three years Mm. i think is is brilliant and she deserves her place in the top echelon of Doctor Who companions. I agree. It's a lovely word and well used. Thanks. Something that I really liked about the character arc was how you could very, very easily fall into the trap of thinking, here's another companion, another person that needs the Doctor to fix them. But in the case of Amy, she spends quite a lot of the time without him towards the end of it. She says, t- you know, it's 10 years off and on since we met you and started travelling. And yet, of course, we know it's only two or three years in programme terms, but the mm. amount of time that they spent with him flitting here and there, they've actually had quite long periods without him. And it's not that Rory has fixed her, although I'm sure that having a stable relationship of that sort has helped, 
But it's that she's got more confidence in herself. She doesn't need to be out there. She's capable of standing up for what she believes is right, promoting herself, doing all the things that... Yeah, and running into control rooms and immediately flicking switches because that's what you should do. Yeah. I, I love the way she takes control of that scene. In, it is awesome. Is it Dinosaurs on the Spaceship? Dinosaurs on the yeah. Spaceship, yeah. I think Laura brings up a good point. This is something we haven't really seen within the programme, this companion relationship where the Doctor flits in and out of the life, but ne- their life but never goes away. Um, that was a really interesting new thing to mm. see. I was unsure of that at first, but I love the way that that built up towards the eventual leaving scene of the ponds, mm. and the way that that gave that more drama. It was interesting to focus on the sense of loss for the Doctor rather than the sense of loss for the companion. And the fact that the Doctor kept coming back to them just simply because he couldn't let them go. At, at the end, you know, it's devastating for him that they finally disappear from his life. I like that it was dealt with in a, in a very different way to previous companions, if you know that, that home life stuff. Because before, it, it, it felt to me a little bit soap opery, dealt with a bit too often, a bit too much. But this time it was a one episode out of two and a half seasons. That seems to make sense to me. And it did enough, I think. And in terms of how the relationship finished with them, if you think on how in the recent series all the different characters' relationships with the Doctor has finished, you've got Captain Jack, who's left stranded, chasing him around with a hand in a fish tank, only being able to find solace in flings. And and then you've got... Rose? Rose, who's trapped in another universe who he can only help by leaving a clone of himself there and all of the relationship issues that that's going to bring up you've got martha who he destroys basically emotionally yes is totally crushed and even though she eventually marries mickey you get the sense that there's still this sort of sadness there and of course donna is possibly the most tragic of all and it's really nice to find a companion whose life he hasn't totally ruined and Mm. that's sort of reflected on in let's kill hitler where the TARDIS starts flashing up images of people Mm. who he could help him, who could be a good interface. And he sort of starts calling out, let me have somebody who I haven't totally wrecked. And it's quite nice to see the programme acknowledging that and Mm. delivering a companion who can just go on without him. But isn't it interesting how their relationship begins with him wrecking her life at the start? But at the end, their relationship has kind of helped her become this more whole, resourceful um happily married woman yeah it's interesting and he has left them both with dual memories uh so amy has got memories of her whole life without parents and her whole life with parents and rory has got uh memories of his whole life and then a life where he is a plastic doll (laughs) in roman times living through everything that's happened uh from the beginning of uh AD mm. time. It must be very interesting in the pond's head, <laughs> I would think. Like one of those things where you have a dream where you're having a horrible argument with somebody and you wake up and you're really angry with them and then you realise that they didn't actually say anything that was annoying. It was just in your dream. It must be like that. Oh, I can't believe you called me that. No, no, I never did. No. <laughs> it was an alternate timeline. Well, that is a, a small dip into the ponds. Oh. Hey! hey, well done. We've been um, thinking that one through. Yeah, very much so. Um, the era that the Oodcast covers just about, I mean, the first season was without the ponds, but since then they have been our constant companions too for oh. the entire time our podcast has been on. What's going to happen now? Are we just going to crumble and die away like a 
tree affected by no. uh, some sort of Dutch elm disease. I think we're going to regenerate. And into Welsh? Yes. Okay. Are you saying we're going to get some new members? Mm. (laughs) What? Oh, yes. Well, no. Um, Yes, if you'd like to be on the Yuldcast, please apply. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, what are we doing next? There's a couple of things. People may have noticed that we have released the third album. Correct. Marriages and Stopped Clocks. So if you haven't downloaded it yet, please do go and have a listen. It's free. Um, But if you really like it, you can donate some pennies to us should you wish ages and ages ago we put up on the website an album that i'd been involved with making when i was a bit younger um it's an album of original music recorded by my old band the lost eskimos and produced and mastered by my very good friend spencer george now spencer sadly died um this summer of cancer he was 28 and uh, we put the webs- uh, we put the album up so that people could hear the genius of his music, his brilliant production skills, and his amazing guitar playing. But also, if you've heard it and you liked it, do please consider donating something to Cancer Research, who I know would be very glad of the funds. I'll also make that available on our website if um, if that's possible, so you don't have to go somewhere separate. Uh, and that the address for both the new album and hopefully for for Laura. And Spencer's album is theoodcast.com slash downloads. What else are we up to then, Chris? Exciting live <laughs> news. <laughs> yes, that's right. The Oodcast Live is coming to a city near you if the city near you is London. <laughs> uh, we, on the 24th of November uh, 2012, that's this year. You know, if you're listening to it in archive, it won't always happen on that date. Uh, we'll be doing... All of New Who from 2005 onwards, every episode in under an hour. Uh, We will put up details on the website and the Facebook group as soon as we know where we're selling tickets from. But that's in about a month's time. Please come if you can. It's only going to be a tenner and it's going to support us getting to Gallifrey. (laughs) Yay! And And there'll be more songs. And we should also say that there's a, a first half of the show which will be incredibly talented improvisers yes we're hoping to do an improvised doctor who episode again there could be guest stars there's definitely going to be my improv troupe project two so that's very exciting so they're going to do this a warm-up act for us and then we're going to hit the stage (laughs) and it won't be exactly the same show as last time because we have to update it that's true (laughs) there's been more who since we wrote the last one it's going to be leaner meaner funnier and more musical uh, yes and laura is going to sing more so if you want to hear laura <laughs> singing live that's right that's no no not like that not right <laughs> that at all so altogether it's going to be brilliant and batterer as we record this we're in the uh, first week of a new uh, james bond film that's true so we thought oh there may be more in common between these two british icons than just the fact that they're both British icons. Ooh! Six and 
13 versions of you And more alone with each choice you make While a thousand young strangers Allured by your charms Don't think of the danger And fall into version of you portrayed Rassilon And though you're a relic of a bygone age When the world needs saving you will take to the Timeless classic, much like Doctor Who. And then there's that bit in the end of time where he falls from space. <laughs> the true. sky, in yeah. fact. <laughs> Skyfall. They both have exciting vintage cars, one of their iterations. Oh, yes. At least. Do you expect me to talk? And and I think really, actually, he's he's Rassilon, isn't he? Evidently. He may be Rassilon. Well, he is Rassilon. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. What? Oh, oh yes. 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 I see that now. Hey, we never said goodbye. Bye. Bye. May the best of your past be the worst of your future. Oh, that's very nice. Okay, bye.